This is the SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. Tony Dorsett has scored his first touchdown as a pro. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. Tony Hill, touchdown, Tony Hill. Brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Mahindra. Find your nearest Mahindra dealer at texasmahindradealers.com. And by SWBC Mortgage. You support your team. We support your family. Your business. We support you. Now your hosts, Mickey Spagnola and Bill Jones. It is time for a very special edition of the Cowboys Legend Show from the Cowboys Club here at the Star in Frisco. I am Bill Jones along with Mickey Spagnola. It's special one part because it is a victory Wednesday out here <laughs> at the Star. The Cowboys beat the Eagles on Sunday night, and they look ahead to the Atlanta Falcons this week. That makes for some applause at the Cowboys Club, Mickey. And a road victory at that. Yeah, how about that? How about that? They huh? can win on the road. Now they try to win two in a row on the road. And this is a special edition of the Cowboys Legend Show as well because we are going to have a very special guest, one who does not have Dallas Cowboys on his resume. But it's okay he, to think outside the box. It is. Little, right? He has been thinking outside the box. And uh, when he arrives, we expect a very warm Cowboys welcome for Mean Joe Green, the yes, great Pittsburgh absolutely. Steeler, native Texan, who has been making the rounds around the star throughout the afternoon today. And he is just across the plaza way there, and he uh, should be here very shortly. Yeah, he had a previous function, and uh, they said they would be cutting it close. And I said, oh, that's okay. To, to get our chance to have you on the show, just come over when you can. And so uh, we hope he'll be here real soon. Yeah, he was at the star today. With, uh, with Randy with White. With Randy White. They, yeah. were, they were doing a tour. I think that was some sort of silent auction thing somebody won, and they were supposed to get a tour here or some sort of function. How and about I, that? It you was got for charity, Randy too. White, the Manster, and Mean Joe Green in the house together. And guess That's who else? pretty special. Guess who else is here? Who else? Tim Brown. Tim Brown, Heisman yes. Trophy winning yeah. Tim Brown, Pro we, Football Hall of Famer. We, we might need to go get him <laughs> and bring him over here. I was walking in. I looked. I well, like, Tim Brown. Speaking of that, as you branch out and get yes. non-Cowboys on the Cowboys Legend Show, why not having Dallas Woodrow Wilson X? Tim Brown on the show in the future too. And I was trying to track down Mike Singletary. Well, there you go. He's, he's of course Mike Singletary football, right? is, is the head coach at Trinity Christian Addison, and uh, of course the former Chicago Bear great, Baylor Bear great, and NFL head coach. Got back into coaching this year with uh, Trinity Christian Addison. That'd be great. He lives just right down the road. Looks, I, li I like the way you're thinking there, Mickey. Looks like uh, he, he should be here maybe after our first break. Okay, that sounds good. In the meantime, let's get you caught up to speed on what's going on with the Cowboys here as the Cowboys were back on the practice field, and they were outdoors on the practice field today. It was a beautiful day. It was. A little chilly, but a uh, nice day. I talked with Jason Garrett uh, this afternoon. We taped the Jason Garrett show, and he said on his drive uh, here this morning, it was 28 degrees, and he was contemplating, do we go inside or outside? And then he heard there was going to warm up, and so he decided, let's do it outside today. And he said Dak Prescott said, wait a second, we're going outside? We're playing inside this I, week. I figure that was coming. <laughs> Absolutely. But it was a great day for practice, although there were a lot of Cowboy players who did not practice today. I think I counted nine 
And uh, some of them, I think, were getting a somewhat of a veteran day, uh, especially a couple of the guys that were nicked up in the game, like Zach Martin and uh, Malik Collins. Uh, they were they were able to get back in the game and finish. Uh, but you don't at this time of the year, Bill. Availability, I think, is much more important than practice. Uh, you just want to get the guys that are nicked up to the game, and I think that was the uh, mentality there. I think the um, the critical injuries that, that showed up, and Antoine Woods was out also on that defensive line, but I, I think he, he finished the game, so uh, I think he was just getting a day. Uh, the, the ones uh, you worry about, obviously, Sean Lee's not going to be back, I doubt, until after uh, Thanksgiving, yeah, don't you think? Or maybe New Orleans, Orleans maybe December, somewhere uh, in there. Uh, David Irving still... Uh, out I haven't even seen them like rehabbing so normally when you see guys on the cords they're getting closer to playing uh, I haven't seen that and one of the one of the uh, troubling ones is Taco Charlton because it had a kind of a, a trickle down effect on the entire team when he missed and then uh, Tyrone Crawford had to go out and play defensive end and then they lost Daniel Ross before the game ever started and then Malik Collins went off so then, if you can stay with me here, Tyrone Crawford had to go back inside to, to the defensive tackle position, uh, which meant Randy Gregory now was basically a starter, and he tied his season high with 40 snaps uh, in the game. Uh, and then Demarcus Lawrence, who normally gets spelled and plays about 75% of the snaps, ended up playing 90% of the snaps because they didn't. They were starting to get low on defensive ends. So. Taco said he was day to day. I said, "Okay, thanks." Uh, but he did not participate. But today. he didn't participate. Yeah, and he has today. a shoulder injury. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know. When Jason says, "Well, we hope he's going to do something," that is not very optimistic. And Tyron Smith missed today, but that's probably a veteran day for him. Too cold to go outside for his <laughs> back. Come on. Well, and the other thing to consider is they do play two games in the span of five yes. days. They play Sunday at noon against Atlanta, and then, of course, the Redskins come here on Thanksgiving Day. And then a week after that, on a Thursday night, Drew Brees and the Saints will be here too. So, so you don't want to wear the guys out practicing. You don't want to leave the game on the field out here uh, at the star. So – I think he's going to be very conservative with how much he works those guys, especially the guys like like Tyron Smith. You don't want to overdo it. Same thing with Zach Martin. You know, get him to the game, uh, and and you, and you hope he doesn't ding that knee up again. I will say this: you mentioned Randy Gregory with 40 snaps in the game, and he, is, he was a full participant in practice. He is fully back from his arth arthroscopic surgery, and you could tell it in the game. In Philadelphia on Sunday, he was quicker off the ball than I've seen him in a while. And, you know, he had he had the uh, same surgery. He had his knee scoped to take out a loose piece of cartilage, and it took him – he missed two games. So, in the third week, he returned. And the other guy – Connor Williams. Connor Williams. Now, he was at least out there. He did limited some stuff. He was limited. But, you know what, Randy, that second game that he missed was limited also, and they actually worked him out beforehand – trying to see if he could play. So with Connor Williams out, Zach Martin out, then that offensive line uh, looked like it did for about 13 snaps with Adam Redman at right tackle. Uh, Xavier Suofilo was at left guard. at left. Yep. And then with Tyron out, then you had Fleming working at left tackle. So 
I was a lot That's of back. too much like Atlanta last year. LC was the last man standing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but to see Randy Gregory come off the ball like he did, you wonder if he if that knee had been bothering him for a little while this season. Yeah, and I think and, you're right. Yes. And wow. You could when he and Lawrence are in the game at the same time, pinning their ears back and going after the quarterback. It makes a huge difference. And, and imagine if David Irving was in there. Yeah. I don't know if I should hold my breath on that one or not. Uh, it seems to be always something happens with him, and uh, and I understand injuries. And you know, he he had a high ankle sprain, and you know those high ankle sprains usually take about four weeks. Uh, so I think this is his third. So maybe. Maybe next, well, probably after Thanksgiving, think, right? Yeah, maybe uh, when Breeze and the Saints come yeah. here. Uh, we've got Danny Sarek with a wireless microphone. Hello, Danny. How are you doing? As uh, She's got a wireless microphone, and anyone in attendance here can ask us questions about the Cowboys. How you doing, Danny? Doing well, Bill. Thanks. I uh, have a question for you guys to kind of get started. Talking a lot about defense, with Sean Lee being out the way we've seen Leighton Van Esch step up, your first career interception, led the team in tackles in Philadelphia. How optimistic can Cowboys fans be about the future of the defense with Jalen and Van Der Esch? Well, I think with Leighton Van Der Esch, well, with both of them, actually, uh, but the, the way Leighton Van Der Esch played on Sunday in Philadelphia, and by the way, if you haven't heard, he was named the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. And Leighton Van Der Esch was officially credited with 19 tackles in the game. Also got his first career interception, of course. And I think when you, I think when we look back at that Philadelphia game, and he's had terrific games before. He had 18 tackles against the Texans a few weeks ago. But I thought that was the game where it, you could really see what Van Der Esch can do. Absolutely, and and you know he's been building and building and building, and then to make. To get that many tackles, 15 of them, by the way, were solo. Uh, and, and then the interception, uh, the tackle for the loss. That, that was a huge play. Ended that possession, even though they gained six yards, went for it on fourth down. The Eagles did and didn't get it. But that put him in, in a bad situation. Uh, and he had a pass defense. I mean, he was just all over the place. And I think you see what the Cowboys saw of him uh, during the draft process and why he was such a priority, uh, not only because of his talent, because of Sean Lee with, you know, kind of usually gets banged up at some point and they didn't want to get caught shorthanded. You know, we, we know what happened against Atlanta last year when they went there with Tyron Smith, but Sean Lee was also out and Ezekiel Elliott was also out. And, uh, you know, that game, I was going back and looking at it, it was, not to get off subject, it was 17-7 going into the fourth quarter. Uh, a 10-7 game at halftime, 10-7 at halftime. So it wasn't totally out of out of whack. It until just felt like it. it they <laughs> scored that, that touchdown in the fourth quarter, yeah, with uh, eight sacks. When one guy's getting six sacks. Yeah, that was. Uh, so you you better Adrian hope Tyron. And by the way, Adrian Claiborne now plays for the Patriots. Yeah, and he, he parlayed that into a contract. They don't have to worry about him. But back to Vanderesh, just amazing. And to kind of put into context uh, what he's done, those 19 tackles uh, broke the record Sean Lee set uh, for Ricky uh, most tackles in a single game. And, and right now he's got 96 tackles. The rookie record for single-season tackles, Dexter Coakley with 136 in 1987. So he's 40 or, away. Or, I mean, 1997. So, yeah, 
40 away from tying it with seven games to go. Oh, uh, my math that tells that me that's less five, six sacks a game, right? At, at his recent pace, he'll get that in the next couple of games, 40 tackles. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Dexter, I'm sorry, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, he's playing. And, and then the other thing about him is he's such a sharp guy. He, he's starting to see things. He's starting to figure them out, like that screen pass that he, he got the guy for the five-yard loss. He said, I was I was figuring they're either running it at me or they're going to throw a screen, and I was leaning towards the screen. And sure enough, from probably doing his film work uh, and having Sean Lee in his ear all the time and having his locker, one empty locker away from Sean Lee, I think by osmosis, uh, he's really learning this game. Okay, I, I, you need to go on DallasCowboys.com. Brian Broaddus breaks it down. That play by Leighton Vander Esch, and Brian does a great job from a, a scout's eye view of the coach's film where Vander Esch could tell that the running back was split out a little bit wider away from Carson Wentz than he normally does. That tipped him off that it might be a screen pass out to that side. But what Brian remembered was a couple of years ago at AT&T Stadium in a critical stage in the game, he remembered Sean Lee making a similar play where he got outside the offensive lineman and stopped Darren Sproles. He found that video and compared this play with the Sean Lee play from two years ago, and it is remarkable how similar the Same two thing, plays are. Really? Where it, it, it was remarkable, number one, that the linebacker, either Van Der Esch or Lee, for two years ago, got outside so quickly and diagnosed that play. I think that's a, a great example of the Sean Lee-like play from a mental standpoint, reading and reacting that Leighton Van Der Esch has. He has those type of linebacker instincts, which uh, are very difficult to come by. I think they got a good one there from a young guy. Uh, Danny, do we have any questions? Anybody out there have a cowboy question that they want to throw at us while we're waiting for uh, Joe Green to show up? Should be here uh, any minute. Um, but we can continue taking some questions about the Cowboys if anybody's got anything uh, they want to ask. Um, I thought uh, another kind of not a breakout performance, but for a, a good sign was Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, not only rushing for 151 yards and a touchdown, but also uh, catching six passes and another touchdown. Uh, and I think that might be the trickle-down effect of having Amari Cooper on the field. Yeah, I mean, and Amari uh, Cooper affected uh, many things. You know, when you look at scoring in the National Football League this year, I mean, you've got multiple games in which teams have scored over 50 points now. And the high-powered offenses, and now you look back at two weeks ago, the Cowboys making that trade, and the way the Cowboys were performing offensively the first half of the season, it was imperative that the Cowboys make that trade, I think, if they planned on competing in the second half of the season. And in this game against Philadelphia, I think we started really show, it, we started seeing the effects of what Amari Cooper, an outside receiver who can separate, can have on an offense. And the offensive line playing, I think, yeah. much better. Uh, you know, when you, when you look at it, and I was looking at touchdowns, the Cowboys only have scored 18 touchdowns in nine games. That's easy math even at Oklahoma, right? It is, yes. Um, and the leaders, Kansas City, have scored 44. Now, they've played one more game, but still. That's more difficult math. Right? Uh, <laughs> New Orleans uh, has like 42, 
the Ram, uh, uh, the Rams are at like 39, 40. The Cowboys have 18 touchdowns. That's that, that's not going to get it. And, and they've got to do a better job. Only six teams have fewer touchdowns than they do this year. And so that kind of shows you the struggles they've had uh, offensively so far. The only other game that they've scored more than at least three touchdowns was Detroit. Uh, and, and But it's only happened twice now, three touchdowns or more. And that's got to pick up. And I and would it's got to pick up this week against yes. Atlanta because this Falcons offense, I don't care that the, the Cowboys got the number three scoring defense in the league, this Falcons offense can score points. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and throwing the football, that's, that, that's their calling card. Now, they're not very good when you throw it against them. Uh, so, again, y y you need to score some points. And, and I don't want to hear any more of this business about defense wins. That, that's 10 years ago. Well, let's see if Mean Joe Green says something <laughs> about that to you, Mickey. See, I, if, you, see I, if you keep Let me get rid of stance. that now, until yeah, he, yeah, not, not when he's here, right? All right. We're going to continue here on the Cowboys Legend Show. Get your questions ready. Cowboys questions, Mean Joe Green questions, when we come back here on the Cowboys Legend Show in just a moment. Dang. Back, back, back to the SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. We were called the Steel Curtain. And in time, I know some of my teammates from those great Steeler victories will be joining me here. But for now, that is just me, old number 75. The only player in the Pro Football Hall of Fame with four Super Bowl rings. Yes, a very special edition of the Cowboys Legends Show from here at the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. It's brought to you by SWBC Mortgage. For more than 40 years, SWBC has been helping people, companies, and financial institutions prepare to win in Texas and across the country. Visit SWBC.com to learn more. And, yes, we do have applause here at the Cowboys Club, the grand entrance of our special guest, former Pittsburgh Steeler great, Pro Football Hall of Famer, College Football Hall of Famer at what was then North Texas State University, now, of course, known as the University of North Texas, home of the Mean Green. A Cowboys welcome for the great Mean Joe Green, who is putting on his headset now. I think I got it. I think you do. <laughs> I don't know. It kind of got tangled up there. Yeah. Let's we'll see I if we can work on it. Uh, I get tangled up a lot. Welcome. I'm Thank you, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I've been here uh, uh, earlier today, and it goes without saying, this is a fantastic facility, fantastic. It really is. And uh, what you heard, I think, when you were walking in, you had done a commercial for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, and you kind of rubbed it into your teammates saying <laughs> you were the first one from that era to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. and. You know, I went back and checked, and it was true. He was the first guy. They came following <laughs> after you, right? Well, I was the oldest, and uh, that doesn't mean I was the best. I was just the oldest, and uh, I was just uh, blessed, no doubt about it, to be a part of such a fantastic football team and an organization. Um, Anyone that watches football and watches teams play, their favorite teams, know that uh, it starts from the top, and it's the organization. Um, a good example would be 
this past week, the Dallas Cowboys facing the that Eagles. Team. <laughs> the little Eagles. <laughs> when everybody except those people that are in this building and those people that practice every day knew what the outcome is, is going to be. And that's, that's because the organization, the coaches, circled the wagons and said, this is the one that's going, this is the game that's going to change the course of the season. And they became believers. When they became believers, anything, anything can happen. And the, the goal that they were seeking was to come away with the victory that is what teamwork is all about, and that is what leadership is all about. Make no mistake about it. It was about leadership and those guys buying in to the program. That's what it's about. And if you can do it once, <laughs> you can do it again and again and again. Now they have a chance to turn around their season. Yes, they do. You know, the first Pittsburgh Steeler from that era to go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And, Joe, you are also the first non-Cowboy to be on the Cowboys Legends show. Mickey, how long <laughs> have you been doing this show? Well, this is his second appearance, by the oh way. How about that? Yes, uh, I've been doing it for about six, seven years, and he's the only one. I it was one. longer than that. He, well, <laughs> I took I over for you. When did you hand off? I thought we did it together. All right, we've been having the Cowboys Legend Show been at going least a while. ten or twelve years. Yeah, at least. Well, I've been I've been I've been in this area since 1970, so that's <laughs> yeah. a long time. Yeah. And I've been sending messages and messages and messages. <laughs> Vicky, when are you going to have me on your show? <laughs> I think you beat me here if you got you, you, from your University of North Texas days. All right, right. for 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 the. For some of you out there who aren't familiar with the 1970s, let me g bring you up to speed on Mean Joe Green, who might have been, and I, you might want to take the might out of it, the most dominant defensive player in the National Football League in the decade of the 70s. Four-time Super Bowl champion, ten-time Pro Bowler, five-time first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, NFL Man of the Year, in 1979, which is about as prestigious an award as you can receive. The two-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year, the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year in 1969, a member of the NFL 75th Anniversary All-Time Team, the 1970s All-Decade Team, and, of course, the Pittsburgh Steelers have retired his number 75, and he was a consensus first-team All-American in 1968, playing at North Texas State University, a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the College Football Hall of Fame, probably the Temple, Texas Hall of Fame, too, right? <laughs> Did we leave anything out? Golly, my goodness. It's quite a career. All I can tell you is that uh, regardless of how I tried, the Lord just blessed me. <laughs> yeah. he, he just blessed me. Uh, first, uh, having the... The body to withstand all the punishment that one does playing the game and having an opportunity to go to, to play for North Texas. And I went to North Texas probably, well, no probably, probably about it. I read about 
Abner Haynes, who's from Dallas. Right. And I read about Abner Haynes being in North Texas, and that was the impetus that took me to visit North Texas. And I had an outstanding time there in North Texas. Met my first wife there, and my kids were born there. And uh, in my sophomore year, uh, they started this mean green thing. <laughs> Not because of me, but because of the colors of the school, and we played pretty good defense. And when I got drafted number one by the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I knew about the Pittsburgh Steelers, I, I, I went to a Cowboy game uh, versus the Steelers at uh, over at Fair Park. Cotton Bowl. And, uh, yep, really? And I saw how bad they were. <laughs> <laughs> I did not want to go to Pittsburgh. And when I got drafted by Pittsburgh, that number four that year, that was the first, the fourth player drafted in 1969. I was not happy. I should have been celebrating someplace, but I wasn't. And uh, I guess that's why, that's another reason I can say I was blessed because if I had my choice, I wouldn't have chosen the Pittsburgh Steelers. I would not have been in the company of, or having the opportunity of being coached by Chuck Noll, um, having the ownership of uh, the Roonies, Dan Rooney and Art Rooney Sr. Little did I know, and I did know, Pittsburgh Steelers had not won anything in their entire history. And I didn't want to go there. And in my first year, we won the first ball game and lost 13 <laughs> in a row. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> and you well, still were the uh, NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. How? How, how <laughs> was that possible? But uh, as, as, as time went on, you know, uh, we, had, we got enough players in there and, and believability in the coach and believability in the organization that uh, Mel Blunt became Mel Blunt, Terry Bradshaw became Terry Bradshaw, Lynn Swan became Lynn Swan, Franco Harris became Franco Harris, Lambert became Lambert, <laughs> and I think I may have grown a little bit as a player. Then, then, we became the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it was that game at the Cotton Bowl that you went to, the Steelers and the Cowboys. It was 50 years ago next month. Can you believe oh it's goodness. been 50 years? 50, oh, my goodness. Justine <laughs> 68. And, by the way, the Steelers did not look good in that game. They lost it 28-7. to No, no, no. We didn't look good at all. All right, we're going to continue with Mean Joe Green here on the Cowboys Legend Show in just a moment from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. Back, back, back to the SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. Here's Staubach, play action fake. He's back deep. He's got time again now running to his right. Here he comes, the 10, the 15, the 20, the 25, and Green nails him as he dives into the 29-yard line. Joe Green. You chased Roger, Roger Staubach that far downfield to make a tackle? I missed him. You <laughs> <laughs> I missed him. <laughs> that was Super Bowl 13. Uh, of course, the uh, 
Steelers won that game 35-31. And uh, that was a third quarter play. It was second and 10 at the 18. And you were able to uh, track him down, huh? I chased him. <laughs> that's, that's about all I can say about that. <laughs> Roger was so, so elusive. And for a person like me that didn't run, wasn't very quick, uh, I remember several times I had an opportunity to sack Roger, but I, n I never could. I never could corral him. You know, I was going through that play-by-play -play from that game, and he did a lot of running in that game, too. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And that's what Roger had the, the ability to do is to stretch out a play and, and, and make it last as long as it, he, he had to to come out on the positive side of it. Uh, just a, a tremendous, tremendous competitor. The game never was over until the opposition had the ball. In this game, it was us. We had the ball and had the points in our favor, and they weren't going to get it back. That's when we knew we had a chance to win. You know, Joe, I, I, I thought it was interesting uh, how far you've come. And this whole thing started in Temple, Texas. Temple, right? Texas, yes. It Dunbar did. High School, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And uh, that's where you started playing football? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We, uh, at Dunbar, I, we never finished above 500. And uh, Mickey and Bill, my high school days were really, really, really bad. <laughs> I I say this all the time, and I, I am embarrassed by it, but I my senior year, I got thrown out of every game we played. No way. Uh, yes. Every game. Every game. I always started a fight. <laughs> always started a fight. And I, I recall very vividly that the last game I played in, and, and my head coach told me, he said, Joe, if you start that mess again, I'm just going to let them beat you up. I'm going to send nobody out to help you. <laughs> and my goodness, I made it to the last play of the game, and I swung at the guy and hit, hit him. <laughs> and their team came out, and my team stayed on the sideline. <laughs> One guy came out to help me. And he, he was he was the guy. And his name was Speedy. Speedy. Okay, so the nickname Mean Joe Green, and yet you're one of the nicest men <laughs> in in sports wherever. Okay, so how did you get the nickname Mean Joe Green? Well, it, it, it sounds like you were mean on the football field in high school. I was. <laughs> I, I, well, I. So were you nice, off, like were you nice off the field? I didn't like losing. Yeah. And that's, okay. I, I, it took me a while to figure why why I acted the way that I did. And uh, when I came to North Texas, I never got thrown out of a ball game. And, and it was because we were winning. We, we won, well, we only lost three games in, in, in five games in three years. So we were doing well go to Pittsburgh, I get tossed out of about three games real early. Really? 
because we weren't doing well. And that's when I realized it was, it was because of um, my disdain for, for losing. And that was the only way I knew how to respond was to, was to fight. So um, did you learn that on your own, or was there a coach or, or someone who had an influence on you that, that had a, a huge effect? Well, the coach that had a huge effect on me of changing was Chuck Noll. You know, he told me that, uh, he said, you know, Joe, uh, those officials do not like <laughs> what you're saying to them. <laughs> You know, they have families, and they probably don't like it either. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I thought about it, and I said, yeah, well, he's, he's right about that. <laughs> that and the fact that me starting those ruckuses and being just acting very poorly and immature, my team started to respond in a negative way, that we started to give up yardage. We started to have other penalties besides the ones that I was, ones that I was creating. And I was causing problems for our football team. That's when I, I think I changed my attitude about responding to things that I didn't like. And I think that's when I became a better football player, too, because I started thinking about applying what I knew I should do, follow the teaching of the coaching, and, and stay within the boundaries of the game. And I think that changed, that changed for me, and, it, and my change helped, helped the football team. Joe, I think a lot of us go through this. It's like you get to where you are, from where you started, and you mentioned the high school, you, you know, weren't very successful there. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Abner Haynes getting you interested in the University of North Texas, but what got, what got Tex University of North Texas maybe interested in you, and why did you decide? Did you have any other opportunities, I guess is what I'm asking. Well, well Mickey, uh, I had a visit to... Uh, there was a guy that played for the Houston Oilers. Um, he was the rookie of the year for them back in 61, 62, somewhere. He's the running back, uh, Sid, Sid Blanks, I think that was his name. He went to uh, Texas A&I, and he came up to visit me and, and, bring, and take me to Texas A&I on a visit. When I went down there, the then coach, uh, Gil Stanky, as I recall, um, took me over to see Eugene Upshaw. Upshaw was supposed to take me around and show me a good time. You know, in Kingsville, it's not a whole lot going on. <laughs> so he gave, me, he gave him uh, $5 and uh, said, uh, you know, take Joe around and, you know, we can have a couple of beers and just show him what we're about. And this was in Eugene's uh, dorm room. He was lying in the bed there, and Gene rolled over. He took the 
put the five dollars on his on, on on the headstand by his bed. Took out fifty cents and said, "Here, Joe, go have a good time." <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I never, ever, ever let Gene forget that. I saw him many, many times, and I said, "Gene, we could have been teammates, but you gave me fifty cents to go out and have a good time." <laughs> that, and so, and I'm guessing, if I have my history straight, you probably didn't have other options at that time not no no I didn't I had a, I had an opportunity to go to to visit the University of Houston and that visit coincided with my uh, uh, prom night <laughs> and so I declined that and I said we well, let's get another night and they didn't another day and they didn't they didn't give me another day and I had ridden North Texas and they invited me up, and the, and the, the gentleman that, uh, that my mother worked for took me up to North Texas. And as North Texas, head co the, their coaching offices were in a, a small building that was adjacent to, that was in-house in, in elementary school, and it was one room, and they had a window in the door. And I looked through the door, and there was three coaches, three coaches, and the head coach in the middle. I, I assume that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I looked through there, and I excused myself with the guy that had brought me down. And I went to the, the men's room, and I, had a, I wore jeans, and I had a, 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 a sweatshirt cut off, sleeves. And I went in the room and I did push-ups. I think I did about 20 push-ups. I think I kind of broke a sweat and swole up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went to the room and knocked on the door. They let me in. And when I walked in the door, they said, you want a scholarship? You got it. <laughs> <laughs> that, was it. that was it. They had never seen. I, at that time, I was probably six, two and a half, 235 pounds, and I played middle linebacker. In high school, and f and from that, he turns into having a statue out by the stadium. How about that? <laughs> yep. And it was just commemorated this, this year, right? Just this fall, just a few weeks ago. Yes, that was special, uh, wasn't it? That 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 indeed was special. And what took him so long? That's what I want to ask. Well, <laughs> you know, it, things just had to fall into place. We had to get the. Uh, the the proper administration and um, the AD and the, and the coaching staff, all of those people had to be in place. And the time, the time had had come for something that maybe we had to make a change in in the in our processes. North Texas is going through a change of uh, we're, we're we're putting in. A, a new indoor workout facility. Uh, we're getting a baseball park. Uh, increase in uh, nutrition. Increase in uh, student. Um, what do you call that? Um, I'm trying to think of the name. 
the uh, student involvement in the program. It, student involvement yeah. in the program and been increasing victories too. Yeah, absolutely. Seth Latrell's and, doing and, a great and, job. And he's there. doing a great job, but it was about helping the student athletes become more productive students, citizens, and productive students. And it was all centered around helping athletes be better, better citizens. And you know, my view is that that statue was a thank you for all the athletes, the previous athletes that came to North Texas that participated in sports. And it was about a change in thought processes going forward that we're going to do everything in our power to make it easier, better for us to be competitive in this environment that we're playing in. All right, we'll have some questions from the crowd here at the Cowboys Club for Mean Joe Green, plus one of the greatest commercials in television history when we come back in just a moment. Back, back, back to the SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. Shotgun, direct snap to Staubach. He's winding up. They got him. There's a fumble. The ball is loose. It's still loose. And the Cowboys managed to recover at their own 12-and-a-half-yard line. He had had good protection that gave him a good bit of time, but Joe Green finally broke through to nail Staubach and caused a fumble. <laughs> you recognize that voice? Myron Cope. Myron Cope, <laughs> a legend. And we've got a legend on the Cowboys legend show from the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mean Joe Green. I want to tell you about Fans United, where you can find game day gear. Fans United, the, if I can read it here. <laughs> you need my glasses? Why don't you read that? Where are you at, I Bill? I can't, I can't read it. We got enough. don't have enough light up here. Where you can find game day <laughs> gear for every Cowboy fan, visit shopfansunited.com to find a location nearest you. All right, you got something you want to talk with me? Well, Joe yeah, about that here? play. You said you, you sacked, you caused the fumble. You got Staubach. It was I looked it up. It was the second quarter, third and 17 at the Cowboys 24. They did recover the fumble, but it was 14-14 at that time, and uh, uh, they lost 11 yards. Gee, I, you know, I, you I, had, remem you had I remember the play. Fumble recovery. But I, I, I don't recall ever sacking him. Really? Maybe no. you hit, well, Myron said it. You remember Myron's I, voice, I right? I remember Myron's voice. He was quite a character, wasn't Absolutely, he? Absolutely, no doubt about it. Myron was the guy that uh, that uh, started the, the terrible towel. Was he really? Yes, yes. Uh, Long-time uh, analyst for the Pittsburgh Steelers, radio analyst. Yes, Myron Cope. Myron on sports. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Super Bowl thirteen, of course, won by the Steelers, but it was also notable one of the great commercials in television history, which featured Mean Joe Green. We're coming up on the 40th anniversary of that as Mean Joe Green winces here. Are you are you amazed at uh, the popularity of that? What well, was one of the greatest spots ever? Without you, a doubt, Bill. The, the Coke a commercial. Doubt. Without a doubt. It, you know, um, I really, really was nervous about doing that when they told me about the Coca-Cola commercial and they showed me the script and it, it, it wasn't much, but you know, I'm not, I'm not the guy that's going to get up in front of people and start talking. 
And I'm definitely not the guy that's going to be on a movie or a commercial. Or be an actor. Be an actor. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. did a great job, though. And, um, <laughs> you know, my attorney at the time, Les Zittron, he told me, he said, Joe, you can't say no to one of the largest corporations in the world that's known all over. And I thought about it, and I said, well, you know, yeah, well, uh, well, let's try it. It was supposed to have been a half a day, and it ended up being three days. Wow. <laughs> and, um, you know, probably the majority of that time was spent on me rehearsing and fumbling and belching and doing a whole lot of things that <laughs> The boy well, in the commercial got his line right every yeah, time, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't <laughs> in the script. It wasn't in the script. And I, um, the extras there were people that, uh, we were in a, a small community in New Pelham, New York. And they had extras that were there that had been daytime uh, soap opera actors and actresses. And they, they, they shared with me that uh, you play football and you take instructions from, from a coach. Well, there's no difference than us being actors taking instructions from a director. Do your best you can. Do the best you can. And that, uh, that helped me out a lot, and that's, that's kind of what I did. And I had no idea that uh, the commercial was going to do, do, do what it did. I first saw the commercial on um, base, the baseball playoffs. It was in October. And when I saw it, I saw it, that's not too bad. Not too, not too bad. And when I got into the locker room the next morning, I got an ovation. <laughs> and that's not too bad because if you know, even here, when you do commercials of the guys do local spots they kind of they kind of hokey like <laughs> and you don't get ovations people tease you about them and they didn't tease me and it was that's a classic I, yeah i thought it was was pretty good and then probably three weeks later i got a case of champagne from coke <laughs> and that sealed the deal i, I knew it was probably be probably pretty good for those of you that maybe aren't over 40 years old google it okay yeah for it's on youtube you, <laughs> mean joe green Coke commercial <laughs> and, uh, it's a classic uh, he tosses his jersey to the kid who handed him a coke as he went off the up the ramp to the locker room injured okay as we wrap up we got one minute left here it's been great having you on the on the show uh mean joe green what uh as difficult it as it was for us cowboy fans back in the 70s, uh, you know, it, it 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 kind of eases the pain a little bit when right? when it's a great human being like Mean Joe you find Green out who who's is a beating, part of that. Who's that, beating that's you? That's exactly right. right. <laughs> and uh, it's just been a pleasure to to hear go down memory lane with you, a native Texan at that in uh, Mean Joe Green. We appreciate you joining Thanks, us. Joe. Thank Thanks, Joe. Thank you a lot. so much. And I'm going to add this. I am so, so very happy that in Super Bowl 13, 
They took the ball out of Tony Dorsett's head. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been a different story. The bottom line, been. right? Could have been. All right, that does it for the Cowboys Legends show for this week. Mickey, do we got something lined up next oh, week? We I'm sure. Do. He's trying to remember, and it's Bill Bates. Bill Bates. Bill Bates, the night Bill before Bates. Thanksgiving, thanks to Mean Joe Green.